Um, I'd be down to do the intro too. So okay. just um, uh, let me know when you guys are good. Hi, gals, guys, and non-binary pals. <laughs> this is a Couch Co-op episode 18. You can um, do that again, dude. Okay. <laughs> How about you pause for a second? You redo that. <laughs> I thought hey, that was so funny. Confident. You're like, I can do the intro, guys. It's all good. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> guys, gals, non-binary. Hi, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. This is Couch Co-op, episode 18. We are featuring Matt and Trevor, two brothers who have had a lot of Couch Co-op experiences together. But first, we're going to go into our standard, what have we been playing this week? And since Trevor is a guest, would he like to share with us? All righty. Well, um, actually, I haven't, I've been in a bit of a rut. Uh, with my gaming habit these days uh i i was super hyped for this uh this indie game called uh hunt down uh, i don't know if either you've heard of it jack and dave but uh, i know i told matt about it um but apparently the developer's name is easy trigger games i don't know of them having done anything else but uh, it's like a a pixel art 2d side scrolling uh shooter uh done in kind of like the uh the british uh, 16-bit era kind of game stuff so like amiga style um, and the, it has a, a rockin' synth soundtrack, tons of 80s sci-fi movie references, like 80s stuff like Terminator and Aliens and stuff like that. Uh, I was super hyped for it just because of the art style. Uh, it turns out the gameplay was plenty good as well. Uh, unfortunately, it ended up being one of those games that it was like a one and done for me. Like I, I got through to the end and the difficulty was spiking in a way that was making it less fun like it starts out almost like too easy to be honest like i was playing on the normal difficulty like at higher difficulties i think it's like a one hit death kind of scenario but uh on normal i think you get like three hit points so it's fairly forgiving for like a contra style game um but when you get to the later levels it's like oh man uh, if i was playing this on hard this would be straight up unbeatable um and such that when i finished it i had a great i had a great time with it I just had no real desire to go back to it. Uh, and other than that, um, I picked up a Call of Duty Warzone <laughs> of all fucking things. <laughs> like that is not in my wheelhouse. Not not at all. Uh, generally, I, I do like first person shooters, but not not online multiplayer stuff for the most part. I like, you know, like Doom 2016 and I like like Deus Ex. I like things that you can play by yourself and just, you know, kick ass and have a good time as opposed to be all anxious about doing well and getting good and stuff. Um, but it's it's free. Uh, the matchmaking is fast uh, and it's, you know, it's it's a good time after work. Uh, so I'm not like thoroughly invested in the experience, but uh, Steam is having a sale right now. It's big summer sale. Uh, so more than likely I'll be picking up some new games uh, but for the for the meantime I'm, I'm stuck playing a game i don't even like that much in the form of warzone <laughs> as uh as long as you're a, a a guest on the pod is there any is there one or two games you're looking forward to picking up uh well battletoads the newest version of it uh is very very cheap right now uh so i, I may pull the trigger on that 
Um, there's a another 2D side scroller game done in almost like an 8-bit style called Panzer Paladin uh, that I also had my eye on from a while ago. That's also on sale. Uh, same goes for the new Blaster Master games. Um, there's a oh crap, I can't remember what it's called, but oh, it's Murder House. Uh, it's called Murder House. Uh, it's done in like PS1 style graphics, um, and a lot of the camera work and the audio design, like even the the crappy audio quality of the dialogue sounds like a PS1 game. Uh, it's meant to mirror like the look and feel of the first Silent Hill. Um, and I guess it, it's like kind of a riff on Clock Tower and Silent Hill. It's like a survival horror game uh, minus the the guns and knives of like a Resident Evil game. But that looked kind of cool. A little trippy. Uh, there's it, like the there's like a nemesis system where it's like a slasher movie type scenario where uh, a man in a bunny costume is chasing you with like a, a I think it's a sickle or maybe some scissors or something, and you have to just like hide while he's searching houses for you and stuff. Uh, the, the graphical design of it is very charming. Uh, it looked like it was a lot of fun. It's pretty cheap right now. Uh, so I may pull the trigger on that as well. D directly inspired by Horror Story, our previous demo demolition, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very <laughs> likely. Horror Story. Yeah. But yeah, there's tons of stuff actually I have squirreled away on my, uh, my Steam wish list that uh, it's only when we come across like big sales like this that I pull the trigger on it. So. Uh, actually, I'm in a situation where I may, I may walk away with more than I I should, because <laughs> because there's a lot of good shit out there right now. It's just stuff I've been pushing aside for a very long time. As any true PC gamer should, a library <laughs> much larger than they can actually pull off. Um, Jack, have you been playing anything? Uh, I finished up uh, Subnautica Below Zero last night, and. Um... Enjoyed it quite a bit. Definitely, uh, I think I've spoken on this before. Didn't have quite the magic that the uh, first one had for me. Um, and I think a lot of the reason why I felt that way is because Matt pulled me back into Slay the Spire and has consumed my gaming life for the last month. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've been just been playing a ton of Slay the Spire. Like, I'll, I'll go outside and watch my kids run around. I'm just on my Switch. Like, doo -doo -doo -doo. all the parents are judging me. And uh, But um, but last night, I got a pretty sweet uh, Ascension 9 uh, heart kill where I uh, – one, one of the uh, at attack patterns of the heart is every few turns, he uh, he attacks for 15 hits in one one in one turn and what i did is i ended up uh, nightmaring and making uh three copies of this card called caltrops which um every time he hits you it does five damage so with like five of those active i pretty much just let him kill himself in like four turns i was like yeah after 350 hours of this game i've never done this specific thing before so that was that was pretty cool plum uh other than the game of life, it's been pretty busy. So today I hopped on and uh, I played our demo demolition game. And then I finished up Mass Effect 2. I pretty much had set it up so that I did all the, the side quests. And I knew all I had left to do was to find this um, Reaper beacon and then pretty much initiate it. So I was expecting this like two or three hour experience and... I ended up smashing the end of the game, surprisingly. Like, so the first game's ending is very theatrical. It's got some grandiose set pieces. 
And on this one, it, it does in a sense where you're taking your ship into an unknown area of space and you're gonna go heads up to the, the enemy's base and you have to like weave in and out through this debris field while dodging its defense systems. And then you land on the base and then I just ended up like cutting through them like a hot knife through butter. Um, so <laughs> the ending for me was very like a bit of a letdown in that sense. <laughs> Because the first one, you know, you got to save this giant space station that all these different aliens go to. It kind of acts as like a UN type situation for the whole galaxy or universe. And then, you know, you can either shoot the bad guy or, you know, convince him to shoot himself. But then he gets brought back from the dead by the main like enemy of the whole entire series. And he's a much tougher fight. And a bunch of other stuff and then this one i just like just finished it off so yeah that was kind of like i was like that's it but i'm gonna have to replay it because i let one of the characters die and not expecting him to die because i thought i had set up all my uh ducks in a row so i hopped on to reddit after i i didn't pop the trophy where it says save all your crew from the suicide mission and i found out that like i should have sent him on a specific part of the quest and uh so on the cutscene after you defeat the final bad guy if you want to call him that i'll put that in quotations like you see his dead body on the ground i was sitting here like confused i was like what like what's morden doing on the ground dead you know and so i immediately go to reddit and they're like oh yeah you should send him to go um escort all the other human survivors back onto the Normandy and then that's a free life saved and then kept the other guy because there's this like mercenary bad guy or badass on your team and I was like yeah I'll send him with them and then that should you know secure that part and I just pretty much did the opposite so I'll replay that part which like I said wasn't too very hard or difficult so that was that for me it's like one of those examples of of trophy hunting gone wrong where like you're you're trying to like have fun and like make the decisions you want to make as part of this game but because it doesn't like figure with with what playstation has decided is like the correct the correct way to ace the game you're like oh i gotta go play another 15 hours it's just i don't know no yeah luckily it's like a super easy ending and it's not too long so it's like ah just i'll touch base with it tomorrow and kind of finish up that part it shouldn't be too hard and uh Finally got laid in the video game. Yeah, <laughs> it happened. After after my difficulties in Mass Effect One, I finally got to uh, you know slay the spire in a sense. So, <laughs> <laughs> but and then uh, so Matt, what have you been playing? Oh well, as Jack brought up, uh, slay the spire. I. Uh finally put that damn game to rest and it was the greatest feeling in the world deleting it off of my hard drive immediately after i beat the heart with uh the damn defect character like i it really kind of derailed the game for me if i'm gonna be honest like i i beat it all the way through with all the other characters you know the heart kill and everything but defect i could just never really pick up like i just really don't like the fact that you really need to finesse yourself to really build a good character with them and there's a lot of different cards that can totally derail you if they get thrown into your deck with them so 
uh yeah i died a lot <laughs> so um so i officially put that game to rest and that felt great um i also you know to their credit despite the fact we talked a lot of shit about them uh cd project red snuck in another update to cyberpunk recently and to their credit the two missions that i've been complaining and ranting and raving that prevented me from popping a couple of achievements actually they cleaned it up so i could go back and do those so now i have my stupid little trophies that say that i completed 100 percent of the missions in this region of the map or whatever so um still nothing great still not disappointed that we lost that episode forever where plumber and i just collectively took a dump on it but uh yeah so it it felt good to kind of take these two games that have been monopolizing a lot of my time uh lately and just kind of be done with them so yeah here we are all right on to the episode so uh you know as all of our double digit listeners know that you know this is couch co-op and uh so we have been discussing this over the course of the month but the episode just kept getting pushed to the side to the side and finally uh we've been able to make the time to make this happen thankfully with the help of trevor so this is about a uh, couch co-op and these two are brothers who have grown up you know next to each other on the couch playing video games so this is what it's going to be about this week. Um, what, what would you say straight off the top is, was probably your most memorable game or, you know, that you enjoyed with each other, whether or not you were backseat gaming or actually participating in a co-op experience? Hmm. Uh, this, is, this is going to take some, uh, some finessing to, to get just right. Because uh, there's no there's no concrete singular answer to that, so I'm gonna try to bullshit my way through this. So it's like it's like that game, keep talking and nobody explodes or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, l- let's start here, okay? So the the foundation I think for a lot of co-op gaming experiences in the late '80s and early '90s for for siblings or, or for whoever actually, um, I want to say is is based on Ninja Turtles, um, that uh, specifically the arcade game, uh, both the the NES version, the 8-bit Nintendo one, and the arcade game itself. Um, Pretty much any pizza place you can imagine had a Ninja Turtles and or Simpsons arcade cabinet, um, and every dumb kid would want to play it. Uh, There were quarter-munching games, but the appeal of it was it had, you know, four-player support. Um, and if you were lucky enough to have an arcade with the X-Men cabinet that had six player support, then you got to get all your buddies together and, you know, lose all of your money to an afternoon of that one. Um, but Matt and I were fortunate to, to have a copy of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game. Um, and the two of us played, played the hell out of that game. Uh, it, I want to say that may have been one of the most played Nintendo games we had uh over over the course of you know a decade or so um how about you matt what do you think my first thought is uh snow bros and (laughs) i hated that damn game so much as a kid because trevor would rent it every other weekend like you know typical kids in the 80s 90s where you you go to the blockbuster or wherever and you pick up a game for the weekend and you know my my style of gaming is i try to 
take in a lot of different types and try to maximize my small window of time I dedicate to them. And meanwhile, Trevor just loved the hell out of this game. And uh, yeah, so I, I, despite the fact that I probably threw all sorts of crazy tantrums playing that damn game, um, I also know that we play collectively a ton of hours. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, I look back on it and I have very fond memories of it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, I, I, I wanted you to do it rather than me because um, I was so young at the time that it's like it's it's hard for me to remember exactly how I felt. But um, that's that's a very special game. And the, the way I, I can confirm that is the fact that both my brother and my mom, of all people, have told me that, that I was so young, I, I barely remember who I was or what I was doing at the time. But both of them have told me repeatedly like it's like you in that fucking game <laughs> like like my mom still like knows some of the tracks from that game like she she like hums the melody at me like because she would walk in on us playing it all the time and yeah i remember matt would would always rent something new every chance he got and uh there was like a early life policy we had with with gaming where um two players simultaneous gameplay was very important to our parents uh, a lot of the games that that came into the house we actually rented a lot more games than we bought uh, than than our parents got for us um but any game that they would get for us that was usually a stipulation was that it had to be able to support the two of us playing together like preferably at the same time um and i think if, if memory serves like when i got old enough um we had like a rental rotation where it'd be Matt's turn and then my turn and then so on and so forth. And yeah, I kept fucking picking snow brothers. Um, and also there was another one that I did the exact same thing with. And this one, I actually remember because I was old enough to, to know who I was and know what I was doing. I was willfully punishing my brother with my rental choice. Um, there was a super Nintendo game called brawl brothers uh, <laughs> that I know Matt, probably doesn't have any special affinity for but i i most certainly do it's not even an exceptional beat-em-up by any means just for for whatever reason i think i just like the bomber jacket that the one dude wore and and i just kept renting that game and matt would get so i that was the one time i i distinctly recall matt actually getting kind of irritated with me like that again <laughs> to be fair though the other thing with that game is it was a weird Go ahead, Jack. Oh, I just, you know, you kind of alluding to it, Trevor, but maybe you could uh, establish for the audience just kind of what the age uh, range, what, how, what the, how much older you are or Matt is than you and, and just kind of paint a little picture of, of that kind of, um, of the kind of dynamic you guys had as brothers. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, Matt's four years older than me. Um, and that, that led to us being able to, to play games with each other you know probably when when he was in elementary school like getting getting into the later years of elementary school um and the first system i think we had in the house was a was an nes um then we graduated up to a super nintendo and then a playstation so on and so forth there were there were no sega consoles in the house ever <laughs> we were we were not a sega household um, any of our Sega gaming had to come in the form of our friends and whatnot. But yeah, he's four years older than me. So uh, yeah, we got to play a lot of games when we were both pretty young. I mean, that speaks a lot to like the kind of 
brothers that both you were because my brother's four years older than me and we did not have any kind of gaming relationship together other than me like you know watching him play or him being annoyed that I was taking the TV you know that was that was about the uh, extent of it there was some of that too involved like I'll give you an example I know I've talked about it before on this but um Final Fantasy 3 or 6 however you want to view it was you know probably my favorite RPG of all time but that was a game that when it came to playing it was Trevor could only do it as a backseat gamer <laughs> like there was I don't even know if you've played this game ever, Trev, have you? Uh, actually, I've never owned it myself. Um, dear listeners, uh, you're probably not aware, but I actually have a substantial Super Nintendo game collection. Uh, it's it's my very favorite console, and I've pretty much been collecting since maybe middle school, high school. Basically, I, I, I was that kid who we are firmly in the PS2 era of games, and I was still buying Super Nintendo games from Funko Land when we had Funko Land. Um, but yeah, I've never actually owned a copy of Final Fantasy 3 and or 6, whichever you want to call it. But uh, because it was my brother's favorite, you can bet you better believe it was my favorite uh, because th there's a running theme uh, in our relationship. And that's that. Like, like Matt said, he, he, he wears a lot of hats. He samples a lot of things and then he moves on. My, my dynamic with him has always been I like walk into the room while he's sampling one of those things. And then I think of it as the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. And then I latch onto it and I obsess about it. Meanwhile, Matt's moved on to like 20 other things in the intervening months or whatever. And I'm still obsessing about that one fucking thing. Um, and that, that dynamic has played out over the years over and over and over again. Uh, so forevermore, because Matt was really big on Final Fantasy 3, yeah. I, I am too, such that I, I do think of it as probably my favorite Final Fantasy, even though I've never beaten it. And I've never owned it. Well, yeah. sorry no. to interrupt. I know, Matt, you've been getting cut off left and right so far this episode. And this is just really quick. But Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters come to Steam where you can get like one, two, or, you know, three or six, whatever you want to call it. So that opportunity is up in the air for you. It's going to be remastered. So keep no your way, eyes Dave. open for that. No way, man. I got to blow all my hard-earned money on a physical copy that doesn't work as well and looks half looks half as good. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> and and um, has a safe battery that will physically die. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm rubbing my palms, but uh, back to Mr. Uh, Matt. So no, I, that, that's a great interjection. Thank you for that, Dave. And no, the only thing I was going to say, I'm just going to steal your... your uh, you had mentioned this story before, Dave, but the Brontosaurus Forest, or the T-Rex Forest, however you view it, which was the best place to go level up your character, and that is one of the integral role portions of that ga those games is you do have to dedicate a period of time to just grinding and leveling up your character. And uh, that was definitely the area where Trevor got to shine as being the younger <laughs> brother relegated <laughs> to leveling up all my characters. And to be fair, to be fair, I learned this from another fr friend of mine's older brother he had this old com dos computer game called eye of the beholder uh eye of the beholder 2 i believe it was and i remember i always wanted to play this with my buddy and his the older brother just absolutely refused and it wasn't until i got a bit older that i understood why because it is one of those games that you can just 
sink a ton of hours into and it's so easy to just overwrite your save file and the last thing you wanted to do was let two dipshit kids who were just gonna like go through the town and kill everybody like wipe out hours and hours and hours of his time so to be fair that was kind of the sentiment i had as well with the final fantasy games of trevor where he was just young enough where i was like I'm not quite certain I can like allow him to start his own save file and not completely eradicate everything that I've just put into this game at this point. So, and real quick, before we move on, the other thing that I was going to say, fuck Brawl Brothers or whatever that is, because there was, that's the one that it's also rival turf, right? It's rival but, turf too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, this was a game that kept coming back in different iterations to our household because it has a different name from the sequel. So I thought we had this brand new game and I was all excited. <laughs> and all of a sudden I blowed it up and it's the same damn character in this bomber jack. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? No, it's back. It's back. <laughs> Tre Trevor trolling that. I love it. <laughs> yeah, the, the localization of those games was kind of sketchy because I mean, the Peacekeepers was the third one. Um, and I remember, I think you were, you and I were both mutually a little bit hyped for that one, especially since I think you had a friend who had the Hudson multi-tap um, and it did support that, which was rare for Super Nintendo games. Um, but for whatever reason, they really fucked up the American release for both that and Brawl Brothers, where P the Peacekeepers, for whatever reason, the default setting for the American version is, okay, we're going to have an action-packed side-scrolling beat-em-up, but we're going to turn off the music, because that's really going to get your blood pumping. <laughs> and then Brawl Brothers, they added this mechanic where the second level of the game is this endless maze in a sewer, where you have to refight all the enemies you just fought if you take the wrong path. And it just stretches the game. It stretches this, this beat-em-up that by all rights should be a half an hour long into like an hour and a half crap fest. <laughs> it's like, no wonder Matt hates that game so much. He probably got stuck in the sewers with me and we were too <laughs> fucking stupid to figure it out. <laughs> um, so was there any fighting games like in your childhood? where you two ended up squaring off against each other? Um, mainly wrestling games, I think, were the ones we played against each other the most. Um, I know Tekken Tag uh, Tournament is still one of my favorite fighters of all time, and part of that was just from being able to play that um, together. Um, and, yeah, that, that to me is just a fantastic one to build a rivalry to where you can kind of balance it out since there's, you're playing with two characters. But obviously, like, we have the Street Fighters and the Mortal Kombats and stuff like that. But um, in terms of ones we actually played together, those are the two that come to mind. Yeah, we, we had Street Fighter 2 for the Super Nintendo. Uh, we played the hell out of that. Matt never fully taught me how to play, though, so he was beasting on me pretty much my entire childhood. Um, and in fact, for a, for a long stretch of time, that was kind of our, our dynamic in Street Fighter games. Because I, as, as I disclosed earlier, um, the things that Matt liked, I tended to love. Uh, so if he sh if he showed any passing interest in something, I would be like, oh, he likes it. Well, I I I love it. Um, so he kind of like was like, yeah, Street Fighter's fine. It's great. You know, I like I think Matt enjoyed Street Fighter because he could go to his friends' houses and shit all over them without half without trying. You know, <laughs> just just like pure genetic gifts or something. Um, it's like you know, I've I've never played this game before, but yeah, I have some muscle memory from back in the day. It'll work, and it usually does. 
um, to a certain extent. But I remember I, I picked up a Street Fighter Alpha 3 uh, for the PS1, which is, is an interesting port of that game. And I, I do remember Matt playing that against me a handful of times. Not too often, but I remember we had fun and we were like competitive like like it wasn't like he was totally shitting on me we could actually have some good rounds and we we put some we put some reps into that but tekken for sure as matt had said was probably the one that got the most play no there was uh, another one uh was it is it capcom versus snk or was it street fighter versus snk oh capcom versus snk2 yeah, yeah uh when we played the shit out of that yeah we we most certainly did and you kept shitting on me with sagat and E Honda, <laughs> it's like both characters that Matt Matt just kind of like serendipitously picked. I don't exactly know why. He's always like Sagat, like always. E Honda, I, I can't quite explain, um, but for whatever reason, he kind of mained those two characters. And I learned like a decade later that in competitive circles, they're both considered like super beastly characters. So fuck you, Matt. <laughs> like your, your instincts were correct. <laughs> well, that was especially good. Cause you actually liked all that SNK crap. And I always like, had a thing against it because just their controls just weren't good enough or like the games weren't quite good enough compared to the, the street fighters and the mortal Kombat. So it was a pleasure of mine to utilize Capcom fighters to pummel the shit out of your inferior SNK fighters. Yeah. You, you, you shout all over my Terry Bogard and my kill Kusanagi, um, just, just out of pure spite. But I mean, I, I want to say that your, your general loathing of SNK probably came from like renting that port of a uh, fatal fury and just, Oh my God, the controls in that game <laughs> and, the, and the damage. It's like, if you do a special move, it's like bah, one third of your health gone. Oh yeah. And the game just stops dead because <laughs> this was before we had combos. So it's like, if you could, if you could manage a special move in that game, you win basically. And unfortunately the, the running gag that Matt and I always had about the controls for SNK games from that vintage was that, it's not a it's not a fluid like Hadoken motion. It's like down, down, forward, forward, <laughs> like at that speed. <laughs> and, and it's so counterintuitive, but that's literally what you had to do to make it work. Uh, you mentioned Tekken, and I consider myself uh, a bit of a Tekken player back in my youth. Who were your favorite characters? All. I love Paul. Open gut. Yeah, that <laughs> gut punch. I just spammed the shit out of it. Yeah, that. <laughs> um, Jin was the character that I always tried to be good with, but like he's, I think he was just OP went for a long stretch there. Um, yeah, I, I like them. Honestly, like I like I like to fuck around too with the bears, just because the damage level was so extreme. So like it'd be fun to pair kind of the two of them. Yeah, King King was always massively appealing on an aesthetic level for me because I mean for fuck's sake he's Tiger Mask but in a game and like even better than Tiger Mask. Um, but he was too technical for me, uh, such that I, I never quite figured out his moves. But um, I used to like playing Law um, and the Kazama, the uh, the Kazama family basically, uh, Jin and Jun. Uh, June especially, actually. Uh, in Tekken Tag, she I figured her out pretty early, and I was really shocked by how good she was. Um, and I always thought it was kind of obnoxious that she was absent from so many of the games. Uh, I, 
in canon, I think it's because she's dead. Uh, but um, like she was in the second one and then she just kind of dipped out from there on out. And then she showed up again, take a tag. And I was like, oh, let's see what she's all about. It's like, holy shit, she's fucking good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I actually like made an agreement with myself. that's like Paul belongs to Matt. I will not touch Paul. <laughs> so I just never, I just never even dabbled in Paul. <laughs> and then three years later, you found out that Paul was clearly the best person on the tournament circuit. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't done the research, but I would not be surprised. It's like, did you know that in the original Tekken Tag Tournament, Paul Phoenix is by far the best character? <laughs> I re- I downloaded Tekken 7, Jack, recently. And I managed to beat the game my first go through by picking Paul and doing the same <laughs> damn move over and over that I've always been doing since Tekken one. So yeah, he probably yeah, it's, is. It's a, uh, let me guess, Matt, it's the wah, followed by the unblockable charge attack, <laughs> like the, the running shoulder charge. <laughs> Cheesy ass motherfuckers. All right. <laughs> as a, as a uh, firm believer in the big kick, in all fighting games that's my that's my one <laughs> move oh jack jack have you played tekken at all um not enough to like remember the characters only on like you know at buddies places and and uh, casual kind of okay well uh, next next time you play plumber uh pick pick brian fury and just okay. double tap any double tap and then press any face button and if you get the timing right he will fly across the ring <laughs> it's, no. it's pretty complex I just, <laughs> <laughs> all jack has to do is play me in street fighter and then pick guile and then do his low uh low kick which is a double <laughs> leg sweep low and then he can usually uh get me frustrated enough to just overwhelm me mentally and emotionally to defeat me at that level because yeah, that'd he... be, i always try to do all the moves you know i'm like trying to get back to him and he's just like low kicking me all over the damn screen and i'm just like the key is to to kick him enough that he gets he can't remember how to do the combos by the time it's over because once he actually relearns how to play the game it's over but i just keep him on his (laughs) big kick (laughs) (laughs) just just show him straight up disrespect and just walk in and throw no no setup no tick just walk in throw (laughs) um let's see was there any sports games yes i know i know Matt is a big sports head so Yes, I'm so glad you asked, Dave, because that was probably, I don't know, 40% of our gaming childhood was Matt playing RBI baseball or Ken Griffey Jr. baseball and me watching him play baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I nerded out on the Ken Griffey in, in particular. When that game came out, like I actually went through and even actually input all the active Mariner names to the characters that they were supposed to represent. So I I dove into that one pretty hardcore, but to be fair, there were a ton of stupid sports games that I brought home and some of them we could play together. Um, I believe Mega Man soccer we played together Um, or at the very least I beat you up at it. Um, I think, I think that game was, barely playable until we figured out the cheat code to enable like unlimited super shots because like as a straight up soccer game i think we both just looked at each other and be like 
I, I don't know how to win. Like this game is so fucking boring. Like how do how does one win at soccer? And that's like, oh well, if you enable the cheat code that blows up the goalie every time you kick the ball, then you can have some fun with it. But aside from the novelty of the the Mega Man stuff, I, I do remember having some fun with that one, but I don't think it got too much play. I remember our across the street neighbors. Uh, had Bill Lambeer's combat basketball, <laughs> which is often heralded as one of the very worst Super Nintendo games of all time. <laughs> and I most certainly do remember playing that over there a few times with Matt. Um, I don't think we ever scored a basket because the controls of that are just completely busted. Uh, they also had Super Soccer. I think we we went over there and played that a few times as well. Go Argentina. <laughs> like that, that, was, that was the team, man. <laughs> um. But yeah, other than that, I think it was, as Matt had mentioned uh, in regards to finding games, um, mostly wrestling, mostly wrestling. Uh, we played a lot of those uh, N64 WCW games. Uh, but before that, uh, we had uh, the WWF Royal Rumble. And I think we only rented it. We never owned it. Um, but Raw, WWF Raw. The Royal Rumble I played with, like, uh, I grew up around like a community and we would always just raid a kid's house. So there'd be six of us packed in there and we'd be playing Royal Rumble. And then the other half would be calling 1-800-Hooked-On-Phoenix and just like, just going to town on their operators, just being obnoxious kids. But I remember Royal Rumble being exquisitely fun game. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to beat up the ref if you wanted to. If you had one of those Activision controllers with the turbo button, you could pretty much wipe the floor with anyone. It was a good time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had designated characters. Matt always pl played Bret Hart because, I mean, it's the Hitman Hart. He was the guy, um, especially back then, for fuck's sake. Um, and I was always Yokozuna <laughs> because Matt needed an enforcer. And why why not Yokozuna, the biggest the biggest guy we got on the roster? <laughs> and that's that's Rumble, that's yeah. what we would do because we'd we'd actually play at co-op. And I this was a really fun uh, brotherly memory of mine was uh, playing Royal, Royal Rumble mode with him. And then we had a gentleman's agreement that I'd back him up, and I didn't I didn't really know the mechanics of how to throw people out. So all I do is just punch people like just potato people in the face all day and choke them <laughs> and then i'd feed them to matt and he'd toss them over the top rope and then and then at the end it was like well what now it's like well it's my big brother he can probably whip my ass <laughs> so it's like and i don't even really know how to win the match either so it's just like we know how this is gonna go so it's basically <laughs> just lay down and let it happen <laughs> But it was always like the the idea was that we'd always like make sure that the two of us were the last two standing, and it was always fun. I didn't care about winning; it was just fun to get there. Uh, do you two have any arcade experiences together, like going to the mall and you know bringing a bag of quarters and then you two jamming on some games over there? Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, I. I think there was a period of time where the one there was like a laundromat near our house that we go to occasionally and they had a Mortal Kombat 2. And so I definitely got big onto that. Um, I was pretty good at it, too. So I know I bring Trevor along and he got to indulge in all the violence and all. So I was saying a great example, I'm sure, to an impressionable young mind. Um, 
Alien versus Predator uh, to this day, I will always bring up as a fun arcade experience. I, I know Trevor had mentioned like the X-Men arcade and we probably played that more or this, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but the rare chances we got to play Alien versus Predator, like that's one that I'll forever be content dumping quarters into. Um, and Sunset Riders too. I mainly played that a lot with a, a lot of my friends mainly, but every now and then Trevor would sneak in there and that's to me one of my favorite bullet hell games of all time just nothing's funnier than a crew full of you know cowboy stereotypes beating up on a bunch of uh, cringy stereotypes but applicable at the time for and uh yeah just a grand old time all around oh yeah sunset riders to this day is one of my my very favorite gaming experiences uh mostly on the console for me i only got a chance to play it in the arcade a handful of times if that um but i can't recall if i ever played that with matt uh we most certainly played it when we rented it for the super nintendo but aliens versus predator man uh, i i wish i wish that game was not tied up in licensing hell uh because it's it's that one game it's like one of capcom's very best arcade games that because it's a fox property now now disney property um it's really weird to think of aliens and predator belonging to disney but they <laughs> they do now um because of the licensing stuff it's like the one game that even though they keep emulating their old stuff you know you see all these re-releases of stuff like like david mentioned about the final fantasy situation and whatnot you see that happening with so many old capcom games but never that one and i, I think it's because of the the disney problem but I stand by it being maybe the very best beat em up ever made. Uh, it's phenomenal. Uh, if you've never played it, guys, uh, find it. It's it's terrific. Um, but yeah, uh, that that one's definitely one of my favorite arcade experiences with Matt, especially. I we we had the situation where when that game was out was when our age difference was starting to show uh, in terms of how often we'd game together. So what would happen was. Uh, Funplex. Uh, are, are either of you guys familiar with Funplex? Oh, yeah. Funplex. Okay. Um, I definitely played arcade games there, but there was a lot of like miniature golf, laser tag, um, ski ball. I mean, there's Funplex was awesome when you were a kid. Absolutely. It was, it was that in Discovery Zone. Um, but Funplex was the place that we had for arcades because, as Matt said, we had the laundromat that had like two cabinets at most at a time. They had some good shit, but it was only like two cabinets at a time. At one point, they had Area Fifty One. That was a, that was a fun time. That game sucks, but I played the hell out of it. Um, but Funplex was kind of like the the place that had all the stuff, but it was out of the way. You needed a car to get there, and I, I would not have one of those for quite a while. Um, so around that time, like in the, the mid late nineties, a lot of the times that Matt and I would end up playing arcade games together was like at the end of a birthday party. So like he'd be finishing up one of his friend's birthday parties or something. And then my parents would come to pick him up and they'd bring me and then they'd be like, here's some quarters, go, go figure it out. <laughs> it's like, And then I'd find him and then we'd play like right before we went home or something. Um, but just just like rattling off a couple of names here and there. Um, there was a game, Matt, that we only got to play once um, with our cousin in Hawaii. Uh, it was called Shadow Force. Um, it was this mysterious game that I never even knew the name of when we played it, but the character designs always stuck with me because they're, they're so, so obviously Japanese. It's like there was a fucking Tengu guy 
he's like a he was like a cyborg tengu and there's like a ninja guy and there's like a, a robot wolf man and stuff and i thought it was so cool that i i like as soon as we got back home from vacation i like drew all the characters in my notebook at school um and i i had to like re reverse engineer the name of the game like just like googling some random like I, like t red tengu guy in beat em up game <laughs> but we played that with our cousin and i remember having a great time with that for the very brief time we played it same with x-men i think we actually had a situation one of those rare like serendipitous situations where we actually got six kids on the one machine and that's something that like not everybody's done and it was you know it, it didn't exactly lead to success because the game's busted to shit like do you know how hard it is to beat the blob in that game when you have six people on that machine? It's it's fucking impossible. Um, but just to see the spectacle of six people all play, playing the X-Men was pretty fucking cool. Um, and one that I don't think Matt has as much of a soft spot for, but for me, um, I always liked uh, Dungeons & Dragons, the Capcom one. I uh, I, I don't know why I always like that game. The mechanics are kind of shit, but the, the animations are cool. The music's cool. And I always gravitated to that machine at, at Funplex while it was there. To be fair, there's a lot of these games that I can't remember if we played them on console or in the arcade, but like I remember them vividly from the arcade. Like uh, Knights, of the Old, Knights of the Round, um, I believe we played that mainly on console, but that was a big arcade game. Time Crisis 2, we played a shit ton of um together but again I, I don't know if we've ever played that in an arcade setting to be honest um those two really jumped out to me too as well that um i know for certain we have experience with it. i just can't recall if it was ever in the arcade yeah we i did have the uh the home version the ps2 version of time crisis 2 and i know we we did play that with a pair of gun cons but that game was everywhere, man. Like, I'm, I'm fairly certain we played it together. For fuck's sake, it was at UW. Like, it was at the hub for years. And while my friends were playing Marvel vs. Capcom 2, that's what I was doing. <laughs> playing Time Crisis. Ooh. <laughs> Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is probably one of my favorite games of all time. And, like, the first time I'd ever played a fighting game where you could have backup fighters so you're just constantly rotating characters in and out or saving up your energy bar to do your massive attack on that lots of good experiences with that game uh so it, i imagine that you know once you matured and matt probably got into high school that the co that co-op aspect kind of started to disappear after you started getting into being adults have you guys ever touched base back on that again you know now that you're a bit older and a bit more mature and not so hung up on you know high school or anything like that not so hung up on getting laid in mass effects <laughs> touche trevor touche. oh who'd you who'd you uh who'd you court by the way dave talia yeah. <laughs> it's because he's playing the remastered they actually shifted the one character miranda that they were criticized because every time she's on screen the camera would just be like right on her butt the entire game <laughs> and they went back and they edited all those sequences so good well, job dave you picked up you went with the moral high ground on this one 
I did. I noticed, but also I found out that uh, Miranda's character is modeled off of uh, Ivan Strahovski, who who is like one of the, I think the main protagonist for that show Chuck, and that's how I came across her. Yeah, and then she's also in um, who was that serial killer? Um, Dexter. Yeah, she was in like Dexter, I believe. So yeah. Anyways, but yeah. So what, was there ever a point where you guys reconnected back onto the couch co-op? Enough about my sex life in the digital world. <laughs> that was a um, fun pit stop, though. You know? <laughs> it was, yeah. We had cool actually point. a really fun sh- stretch after I moved back from Hawaii, um, where I was kind of couch surfing with my folks for a period of time. And Trevor was back from college, I think. And... Um, it was a great chance because you had an, an Xbox, which I had never really played much of. So that's how I got to experience um, what's the series of the bros with the chainsaw guns. Gears of War. Yeah, I got to experience Gears of War going through it with Trevor. And that was awesome uh, because it's such a goofy, stupid game that was the perfect game to be playing while we were catching up after I'd been living you know, on the island for a while. So because you can just talk through it the whole time because you're just doing the same, you know, mechanic of you know hiding behind a pillar and shooting above and all so played through that resident evil 6 which was another one just over the top stupid but really really fun when you're playing with two people who like can make fun of it the entire time um wait wait so was resident evil 6 a co-op resident evil yeah it was yeah it was online as well uh they it it was very strangely designed where there are certain boss encounters in the game where it was instead of a, a two-person situation you your online game like if you had it set to invite other parties would have two other people join it and so you'd have like four people fighting a boss instead of just two um and if you didn't have online on then those two characters would just be ai um but yeah part part of the charm of all those games that matt mentioned is that they they were designed like expressly for the purpose of co-op like gears of war was built from the ground up to be a a two-person experience later games were turned into like four-person experiences but the first and the second one for sure it was like no it's it's supposed to be you and your bud hanging out together and like like matt had said it was kind of perfect for that because the story is just enough that you're paying attention but it's so fucking stupid and <laughs> and and delivered by these square-jawed bra characters that you're just like having a grand old time laughing along with it i guess um one other game, uh, I I don't remember how much we played of, of this together, Matt. Maybe you remember better, but uh, Castle Crashers. Do you remember playing that with me on the on the Xbox? I do actually. That was a grand old time as well. I, yeah, I that was, forgot about that one. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny because that was like early the early days of like the the throwback game movement, I guess. Because it it was a uh, it was done by like the Newgrounds people basically, like like the the art style came directly from somebody who worked at the Newgrounds website from way back in the day um and it's basically just a side scrolling beat em up with just a, a couple of extra bells and whistles but it was like this is the shit that Matt and I both grew up on so I, I went ape shit about it I was like oh this is made with me in mind and then I roped him into playing it and it's like this doesn't completely suck <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> we beat it <laughs> uh do you guys ever dabble with MMOs, which is like great for multiplayer experiences? No, I, I, I'm 
terrible about anything online generally. And um, yeah, I, as I get older, it's harder for me to really allow myself to get immersed enough to care to get to that level. I still enjoy RPGs like a ton. It's just harder to really give it the time that it requires. Um, or, you know, part of that's just being old and grumpy and feeling like I've seen a lot of, you know, the, the themes <laughs> in my day. So I don't need to see it again. Yeah. Kind of, kind of same with me. Uh, I've never, I've never even dabbled in MMOs to be honest. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a social gamer. Uh, if I play games online, I'm the guy that doesn't have his mic on. Like I'll, sometimes I'll listen to other people, but I, I don't talk to the team. Uh, in fact, it wasn't until COVID that I, I even made online friends in any form just because I, I never had that tool set in my brain to, to think of digital people as real people. It's like, I don't want to know how your weekend was. <laughs> it's like, I'm here to play fucking games and like decompress. <laughs> it's like, I don't care. I don't care about your real life. <laughs> it sounds like me, me with my normal friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm like that too. But um, but yeah, uh, MMOs never were a thing for me either. Uh, RPGs, I, I like the idea of them more than I enjoy playing them, I think. I, I I love characters, I love stories, but I I have an aversion to grinding, um, especially when it's like really really obvious JRPG grinding, where it's like it's straight up. They they should just have a bullet point on the screen for your objective saying go grind some shit. <laughs> it's like because a lot of those games are engineered like to be that way because it's expected, and a lot of JRPG mechanics seem to be really. Uh, based around like baked in tradition and whatnot it's it's very japanese concept but i mean the classic is the south park where they spoof that and they basically the way that the way the kids get over the 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 hump is to just spend their entire summer grinding yeah go punch some boars (laughs) for 30 for 30 days (laughs) but i i have a lot of great memories of watching matt like count like uh kind of like backseat gaming uh, RPGs with Matt, a lot of JRPGs. Like uh, Final Fantasy VI was the big one we mentioned. Seven and eight as well. Although eight, we had this really funny situation where Matt really didn't like it. And I I didn't either, but I tried it. And I got like to the second disc and I was like, fuck this, I'm done. But then like a decade later, I, I don't remember the situation. I, this may have been like post Hawaii as well. It was like super late and I was coming home from like hanging out with friends and Matt was playing Final Fantasy VIII and he was like at the last boss or something. He's like, there, I fucking beat it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, it's like a callback to like so much of what Matt's been saying here, like about cyberpunk where it's like, he needs that. It's like, he needs that closure where it's like, it didn't beat me and now I can wash my hands of it forever. <laughs> uh, I... But- Oh, I was going to say about Final Fantasy VIII, I remember I just moved up to Seattle, so I'm living on my own with um, obviously a roommate, so I bring my PlayStation with me, and I, I go down to Westlake, and I go to the GameStop down there, and this is the first time I ever use a, a debit card, so I'm like, how does this work? And the guy's like, well, you just swipe it, and you sign here, and you know, it was like magic all of a sudden, I get my item. I go in, I pop the disc in, and about two hours later, the guy sees me at GameStop again. <laughs> and I was like, I brought my receipt. And I was like, I do not want to play this game. So wow. I ended up picking up something else. Yeah, I can't remember. Well, I was just so used to 
the magic aspect and all of a sudden final fantasy eight was really like the first time where it um kind of veered off of that am i correct where they have the gun blades and all that whatnot i mean seven kind of got them down like the sci-fi like trail a little bit but eight yeah. was the one eight was the one where they changed the character designs to be like more human proportioned and i don't know just everything was more aesthetically minded everything was yeah. you know to, for lack of a better term prettier yeah. um and yeah that was the one with the gun blade and uh, a lot of people really, really liked that game. I know the emotional aspect of that game really hit a lot of people. Like, maybe you had to be exactly the right age or something. Because for fuck's sake, that song has a love ballad in it. What it doesn't have is a 16-bit opera. <laughs> this is the most amazing musical composition in gaming history. <laughs> um, but yeah, eight, eight was was and never will be anything special to me. I mean, it's pretty to look at. Has some cool music. I liked uh, what's his face, uh, not the main character. Um, fuck, I can't remember his name. Anyway, he has—he's the man with the machine gun. He had cool music, um, but uh, I wanted to say about Final Fantasy, uh, an, another one of those that I remember Matt dumping a lot of hours into, and I had a lot of fun watching him play it. Um, except I think we both hit the same brick wall uh, at about the halfway point. Um, Final Fantasy Tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, holy shit. Uh, I remember Matt played the hell out of that. He he went to the trouble to get Cloud and like level him up and all that stuff. But there is a boss fight in that game that I don't care how hard you prepare for it, you are not ready. <laughs> it's a, I think it's a Weegraph or Wygraph. Um, he turns into a goat man. And uh, the problem is that the, the game only, the game offers you a save like just before it but it locks you into that dungeon. So if you are not prepared, you your save is fucked. You can't roll it back and it completely ruins the game. And so many people have fallen into that trap. It's, it's ridiculous. Was there any moments of frustration between the two of you where like, say you're in a co-op on a fighting game or doing something where you had yanked the controller out of the port just to get that upper hand or I, I don't see you two as terribly like violent towards each other, but was there ever like that moment where emotions boiled over to the point of like physical interaction? It was less that and it was more like raging about like health pickups. Like it was one of those things where it'd be like, you know, I'd be down to like one hit and it'd be like, I need that full pizza. And then he'd walk over it and consume it. And then I'd be, I'd die. And I'd lose my shit. So, you know, there were those moments. Like, we never had that competitive part where, like, you try to fuck the other one over. But there was certainly times where, like, you know, I definitely could have offered more advice before we jumped into a game together. But to be fair, part of that, too, was because, like, I felt like, like, Jack would probably be familiar with this. Like, because I was playing all that Slay the Spire, I was, like, spending a lot of time looking up shit online and there's this especially for the stupid defect character and there's this meme that's popped up about this card the claw where the joke is that like you keep getting all these selections but like you just keep picking the claw because the more of them you have the better like it gets like it gets stronger so like that was like playing games dies with the claw (laughs) yeah so that was playing games with my brother it was like literally like i'd come downstairs and be like all right we have your selection of we have 
this, you know, nice baseball game. We have this nice, you know, fantasy shooter. We have this nice fighting game. And every single time Trevor would be like, nope, Joe and Mac. We're going to play Joe and Mac, which is a game we got like at the beginning of Super. We first got our Super Nintendo. You could beat it in an hour and a half. And every damn time we would have to do this like every other night. And it was like, for me, I'd be pulling my hair out in frustration. <laughs> Trevor would be totally content, just like, oop, Joe and Mac again. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up Joe and Mac because, like, um, Matt Matt had a thing he was doing when we first got our Super Nintendo games of uh, of writing in Sharpie on our games, like partially to mark them as ours. But I think the joke was that it's like a message for any potential burglars or something. Um, and on that one, he wrote, and I still have this. It says, "Take me too. Come on, take me too." <laughs> As in, I don't want this piece of shit cluttering my shelf. Get it out of here, even if you have to steal it from me. <laughs> what What did you hate about that game, Matt? It was actually, a, in hindsight, like a really solid little game. It was just really easy and pretty straightforward, and. It, it was kind of that that's where the age difference would come into play where it'd be for my brother he was just at the age where because it's like a cave you play as cavemen and you fight dinosaurs basically and it's all cartoony and it's fun but the combination of the difficulty level and just you know the dinosaur theme shit like i was like at an age where i was like kind of trying to move away from that and trevor was totally immersed in like anything with a dinosaur is going to hold his attention so even if it's just watching the same VHS Godzilla movie or watching or playing the same damn game that you can beat in an hour and a half each time. So yeah, I mean, there was a lot of that. Yeah. Watching our VHS copy of Fred Savage in dinosaurs <laughs> over and over and over again. Um, yeah. For context, uh, when Joe and Mac came out and probably when we had it, uh, this was early nineties. So I was probably six, five, maybe and which would make matt like you know 10 ish and those are two very different ages uh so I, I i totally get where matt's frustrations came from um but yeah the difficulty level is definitely something that made the game a little bit more approachable for me um and in hindsight it's not a terrible game like it, it has some pretty cool music the graphics uh they have big sprites big colorful sprites um it's just not a very complex game and it's 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 a quick run through. So it's, it's something you would probably get a little bit repetitive for most people after the, you know, the first time you beat it, basically. <laughs> uh, I, uh, my daughter has, has thrown a, a temper tantrum through half of this podcast. So apologies if I uh, missed the answer to the question I'm about to ask. But what I want to know is four years, Matt's weird intuitiveness towards any game he just randomly picks up but was there ever a moment when all of a sudden it was like trevor is carrying the team or trevor punks mad in a in a in a fighting game and where matt's just like what the fuck just happened did that did that ever do you guys have any memories of that i don't i can't think of anything we played together per se there were definitely moments where it shifted where i became more of the backseat gamer where like i would watch trevor play um Axelay is this awesome space shooter that i love everything about it but i hate playing it because i'm terrible at it 
and I remember like watching Trevor play it and he actually does it the way it's designed to, which is one of those super complicated Japanese space shooters that like only a very small percentage of people just get. And so seeing Trevor get that was a cool experience where I totally concede that was like, yeah, I can't do that. Uh, Contra 3 too. I remember like seeing now watching Trevor play that where Contra games have always been the bane of my existence getting like wiped out and I'm constantly. And then one time I came over and he was just randomly playing it, basically speed running the damn thing. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I don't, I don't think I wanted to admit it at the time, but I was definitely like, yeah, I can't fucking do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's honestly just accumulated muscle memory for those kinds of games. Because one one thing that I've noticed with our, our gaming diet as of late is that um, I, I stopped buying consoles after the PS3. I just decided... Um, I, I do some like video editing whenever I whenever I can. Uh, so I bought myself a nice GPU to support that habit or hobby or whatever you want to call it. Um, and to justify the purpose, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to use this for editing purposes and stuff and for Photoshop and whatnot. Um, but in addition to that, if I'm going to dump all this money into a computer that can run shit, I may as well just migrate my gaming habit to my PC instead of consoles and whatnot. Uh, so because Matt's continued on the, the console trajectory, uh, I've noticed that like he, he plays a lot more uh, modern style games, I guess, uh, like triple A type titles. Um, whereas I, I kind of still go apeshit for like all the games I mentioned that I'm excited about on the Steam sale are kind of like retro themed in terms of like their mechanics and even their aesthetic. Um, and I've just been, I think I stayed in that world longer such that games like Contra or like shmups and things like that, I, I just, I have more muscle memory because I just devoted more time to them. Whereas Matt kind of like trended away from them. Uh, so yeah, stuff like Metal Slug and like Gradius and things like that. I, I probably have a leg up, but there was, I don't think, I don't think there was ever any like massive aha moments where we sat down together and it's like, whoa, there's a huge gulf between our gaming styles these days. It's like, no, th there was never anything like that. I mean, we did have like a weird, like, I don't know if you'd call it an epiphany or whatever, but Matt sat me down because he, he needed me. You don't understand. He needed me to see the opening like half hour of Aliens Colonial Marines. And it was the kind of thing where I, like, I just like dropped the controller in my lap, in my lap after the first half hour. And I was like, Matt, I have no words. This is this is unspeakable. What have they done to my boy? <laughs> it was the first ten minutes. It was ten minutes. Ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was an awful experience. We did play Dead Space, the first one, all the way through together. Yeah, we did. Passing the controller, which that was a cool experience to kind of um, be on an equal plane. Another one too that we have to mention. Um, you know, just because we played so many hours of it and was super important when we were younger was uh, the Pocky and Rocky series, which is this weird, obscure Japanese, like, kind of shooter, I guess. But you're not in a plane or anything. You're just these, you either play as a little girl or you play as a little raccoon or Tanuki Badger, I should say. And you just shoot things all over the, the screen or whatever. But there's constant simulation stimulation the whole entire time but for whatever reason that was just the one where we kind of got on the same page where it was like we knew who needed upgrades when we knew who like 
would go which direction. Like we paired up really well on them. And so we played through, I believe we beat them both. Um, but yeah, th those were a grand old time. And that was, I know we played playing beat em ups where we could beat the game, but a lot of that was just kind of pure attrition. This was like the one where I, when I think about where we kind of had our heads together. And like you guys always say the drift compatibility where you kind of just are like locked in. It's like, you know what he's doing, you know, even though there's shit going on constantly, you're just like in tune and know exactly where to go and you know, how to progress. Yeah. Well, those are operational. <laughs> uh, th those games are, are really special um, and also very expensive now. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, it's, it's shameful. Uh, Snow brothers, that game that I, I rented so many times is now like absurdly expensive. It's like, it's like $500 or some shit. It's ridiculous. Um, but Pocky and Rocky, part of the charm of it was that like, like the setting, like all the characters in it are based on Japanese folklore. They're all like yokai and things like that. And Matt and I growing up, it was like one of those things where we had a lot of that stuff instilled in us, like covertly, like a lot of, a lot of like children's stories and stuff that you would take for granted. It's just like, oh, everybody grew up reading Momotaro and stuff like that it's like no actually this is kind of like unique to your household to some degree and like king kappa for instance like we we looked at him we we knew what his we knew what he was it wasn't like oh it's some random turtle guy it's like no that's a fucking kappa like like, like i know him he's in my books um and yeah that that game if i remember right matt you can correct me but i, I seem to remember we took a photo of ourselves in front of the end credits of it because we beat it and like game game pro had like a contest or something it was actually the game itself uh oh okay. was it natsume or yeah, i think yeah, it's yeah. the the company and it was if you beat it uh you were supposed to send in a photo and you actually were supposed to get some crap um we never got anything i know no, that no no but i remember us in our pjs like in our we were little kids like in our fucking jammies <laughs> um and i remember like getting mom and it was probably it was either late at night or very early in the morning either way she was probably pissed but i remember like twisting her arm and getting her to take a picture of us like i i have the image in my head i don't know if the photo survived but now uh, that was a really fun memory especially because that game had the slide mechanic that was this dreaded double-edged sword where it's a it's like a, a top-down shooter kind of game and there's a slide mechanic that it, it's a dodge but if you collide with each other it causes the other person to like kind of like like pinball into all the walls and stuff and they become a like just a hazard <laughs> and if you hit each other it causes damage so it's the kind of thing like matt said you need to be like supremely coordinated otherwise if you slide into each other to dodge a shot you'll end up making the situation 10 times worse if you collide with each other. Um, and I, I actually own this game and I tried to beat it not too long ago. I can get to the second to last boss pretty consistently. I don't think I've ever beaten it solo. So obviously the two of us put some time in and figured it out. Um, so touching back to your... All right, so two games that have been coming up in my head. Um, and I'll just list them off, but Halo or Mario Kart. Did you guys ever touch base on those two games? Yeah, we, I gotta. didn't have an Xbox. So um, Halo, we never really got to play together. I definitely 
touched it a little bit. I know I played like competitively with some friends, but damn controller was just too big for my hands. The Duke. <laughs> and uh yeah, Mario Kart, honestly, yeah, for whatever reason, like that was one of those games that like I can attest to how amazing it was when it came out and still is, but just never owned a copy, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember playing Mario 64 uh, with my friends all the time. That was the game. Uh, in fact, there was a a bubble tea place on on Aurora that my friend and I used to go to, and the owner's kid would like come out from behind the counter and just play you at Mario Kart. <laughs> it was it was great. Um, and yeah, Matt and I never had an original Xbox, so Halo was never anything. That that is one of those huge games that it's kind of like Harry Potter for me. Where Harry Potter has has no place in my mind palace, like it means nothing to me. But then I need to remind myself every once in a while that like eighty percent of the people my age, like I cross paths with, it, it's like the holy grail. It's like the thing. And same with Halo, where it's like, yeah, I play games, but I don't play your games. <laughs> like I I never really got too too into Halo. Um, funny thing, it seems like almost all my buddies with military. Uh, service in their history got really into halo at some point <laughs> being a military brat yeah i think i can attest to that but uh those two games in my life on the cornerstone of sitting down next to someone um were like huge for me on the co-op uh, scene in fact one person uh named dan we went through halo one two three and the uh, orbital drop shock troopers odst and we did them all i think on legendary and we would just like get off of work and he'd come over and we'd just like get drunk and just slam through all of them um we we weren't even like the best of friends it was just something that you know i talked about at work and he was like oh that sounds like a lot of fun i was like yeah let's let's grind this out on the hardest setting and like let's hit through all of them so um yeah, I remember you experience. playing with uh, Big Tall Dave. Uh, I think you guys played through Halo too, and I remember hanging out with you guys. I, I didn't play, but I remember watching it. Um, so, like, I've always been intrigued by that whole universe. It, it's again, like Trevor said, it just never really had any exposure to it outside of gleaming bits and pieces here and there. I always thought it was interesting, Matt. You're I mentioned before how intuitively you pick up video games and yet you're, you're so adverse to any kind of like online competitive gaming. It's, it's a really weird, uh, it's a really weird di dichotomy, you know, where, where you're so damn good at video games and yet you never like play competitively. I think that that's the issue though. It's like, I, I'm at a level where I enjoy my, my gaming to where it doesn't interfere with things because you know, the, the, the joy is, is getting out of the stage of games bringing you frustration, despite the two games I've mentioned at the top of this podcast bringing me immense amounts of frustration. Um, but it's a different kind. Competitive frustration is, is different. And um, especially in this day and age where people are so good who play and, and are consistently just working at it um, to where you it would... I just don't want to be exposed to it too much, I guess. Like, I, I just imagine that I would eat myself up too much over things, and I just don't enjoy that part of it. Um, so, you know, 
it's couch co-op, but you know, it's evolved as technology has grown. So there's so many games that are online capable where we could sit down and that's how Jack and I game most of the time. But there was a game called Overcooked, um, the original out of two where you had to be sitting next to the other person in order to play it. And that really brought, I, I, I wanna say like having my younger sister who wasn't into video games, but having some friends that I gamed with um, really kind of brought me back to like being a kid do you do you guys see yourself ever touching base like that again where you know it's like you might want to call each other up and be like hey i got this really cool game that's a co-op but you need to be here with me physically to play this do you guys have that urge or you know want nowadays now that you're older and kind of got your own different lives going on i mean i would love to now that covid's seemingly kind of winding down um you know that definitely threw a wrench into it and the online gaming um you know trevor has mentioned and offered for certain titles that there's cross play involved but reality oh, is, <laughs> the oh, reality is cross play is always just a nightmare so um I, I think i would have a grand old time we would just have to pick a title and it would probably be something more retro um like i wouldn't mind trying to go through like a double dragon game or something like that and see if we still can. But um, yeah, that, that definitely, especially now that there's not concern about potentially killing my brother by playing a couch co-op title with them. Um, you know, it, it has an appeal. Yeah, actually I, I would very much like to, to sit down with Matt and play, play, play through something like part part of the problem with you know being an adult is inconsistencies and schedule and things like that and just logistics of getting people under the same roof it can be kind of a hassle from time to time uh so like getting through dead space if i recall took a while <laughs> um and that was a while ago like when life was even slightly less complicated um so yeah maybe something arcadey like i think like cuphead would be <laughs> would be a fun time uh i can't remember if matt and i played it together i definitely showed it to him but uh, i know matt beat uh streets of rage 4 recently um that's getting dlc pretty soon um which is coming coming out just in time for me to you know be interested in giving it another try although uh psa um there's a game called fight in rage like fight and rage um it's one of the very best beat-em-ups I have ever played. And I never hear anyone talk about it. On a mechanical level, it is so much better than Streets of Rage 4. Um, but it's it's just this like small indie title that just doesn't get any spotlight. I, I just wanted to throw that out there. I would totally play that with Matt. Um, and actually, may, maybe I have a good candidate off the top of my head. It's not available yet. Actually, it's two games. God damn, I, I just keep rambling. Um, <laughs> it's two games. One. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge is due out shortly, sometime this year. Matt, we should definitely play that, uh, just for nostalgic goggles and whatnot. Um, it could suck. Who cares? It'll probably be a half hour long. Um, and the other one is, I think it's like almost 100% certain it's going to suck, but I'm going to buy it. Um, Aliens Fire Team. Um, <laughs> it it kind of yeah. looks like ass. I'm not going to lie but it's aliens and it's co-op. <laughs> and if somebody says game over, man, I'm, I'm, I'm appeased. 
So I might wrote, I might try to twist your arm into playing that with me, Matt. <laughs> uh, when I saw Matt playing uh, Streets of Rage four, I, I the, the one of the first things I asked him on the next podcast was if he he was playing that with you actually, because I just assumed that would be such a good um, a good uh, game for both of you guys to jump on together. Yeah, well. When I you do majority of your gaming between the hours of like two and four on Friday and Saturday a.m. that is, it's kind of hard to like pick up the phone, be like, hey, you want to go play together? So, yeah, scheduling can be kind of tight sometimes, yeah. uh, especially now that I've picked up a new position in the restaurant. It's Jack hit me up the other day and I was just like half asleep. And I saw that his invitation came through. So I jump on. And he's like, man, you sound tired. I was like, yeah, long. He's like, weakness. <laughs> we ended up, we've, been this, <laughs> we've been playing this game called, uh, was it Knockout City, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that game's a lot of fun. It's pretty much just dodgeball and crack. Like you got different types of balls that have different kinds of mechanics applied to it. But it's definitely a kind of game where if you're, kind of syncing up with the other person you can like dominate since it's three on three so two you know two players who like are proficient at games and like can work with each other end up doing pretty well on it so i don't know yeah it's uh the whole online versus like couch co-op thing is is very interesting because i mean you're still playing with your friend but you're not physically there you know ver overcooked versus overcooked too overcooked was all on a couch, giving each other fist bumps, taking shots of tequila together, you know, being like drunk and being like, okay, okay, we can do this. We can, we can get, you know, all this stuff knocked out, you know, versus like Overcooked 2 where you're online, you know, and you're just like, okay, uh, time for a restroom break or something like that. And, and it's funny because in my head, Overcooked 2 is a way easier game than Overcooked 1. And when I think about it, I'm like, well, maybe it's just because whenever we played Overcooked 1, it had to be in person, so we were hammered. <laughs> and so it was a really <laughs> difficult game. Whereas Overcooked 2, like, you know, you you have a couple drinks while you're on the mic, but, you know, you don't see those invitations. <laughs> just be, be belligerently trying to serve up 15 different types of food at the same time. Yeah, while the floor splits in half and then shifts over to another side. So you got to totally change the rules. So I don't know if you two have ever heard of that game or have had any sort of inkling of getting into it. But that is a great co-op, like couch co-op type game. That game makes me nervous, man. Like I seen a husband and wife play that and I, I was, it was intense. I was like, I, I, should I like leave? <laughs> They were getting really heated and they were super into it. <laughs> it looked like fun, but you gotta be you gotta be prepared to have like people riding you and like being like hustle, hustle, hustle. <laughs> I need a I need a clean plate. I need a clean plate. <laughs> Who's chopping? <laughs> yeah, I think you yeah, you just drift compatibly between Jack and I. And usually we're both like pretty modest as far as like our mistakes. So it's like, oh that was that was my bad man. Oh, I'll do that. You know? so like, yeah. He's like, oh no, no, I fucked that up. And it's like, oh, we got this. So 
such a good combo. Okay, so so no potential for anyone to end up sleeping on the couch. <laughs> well, I usually always slept on the couch because you know you'll sleep. Will Will Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. Couch, just uh, that that experience of having a sibling or a friend coming over and just the memories built up from playing a video game and the experiences you get from it is like such a, I, I, I want to say like magical in a sense, because yeah, you could be playing basketball in real life, but then there's this like talent versus like who's not talented, who's given up, you know, enough space on whatever in real life, you know, whereas on a video game, you can, you can kind of like either work together compatibly, you know, and not get that competitive like stuff going on. I mean, pretty much like Royal Rumble, you know, wrestling where, you know, you just like would set them up for Matt and then, you know, lay it down because you figured you didn't have a chance, but I don't know, maybe you did. <laughs> You're just four years younger than him. So that confidence wasn't there. Um, I just think it's really impressive that, um, Matt, I knew you were, I knew you were the older brother, but I didn't realize there was a four year age gap. And for you guys to, even, even with, you know, the, um, even with your relationship being Trevor, you, you spoke very much about how you were kind of like, he would get into things and then you would, you know, attach yourself to them. But I mean, just the fact that Matt four years older was, was so like inclusive in his gaming with you and i'm sure there are moments was that wasn't the case but but for the most part i mean he was very inclusive for a for a brother who's four years older and then you that you know you would be good enough to actually you know like hang and contribute as opposed to just being you know in the way i, I think that's a pretty um i think that's pretty cool that there was that much of an age gap and yet you guys still found um found a, a real gaming relationship um, I think that's pretty freaking cool. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it seemed it didn't seem special until you pointed it out, but it's like, yeah, actually, that that probably is kind of unique because uh, you know I know plenty of siblings that hate each other, <laughs> like like even as adults, and I've certainly heard <laughs> horror stories of them just like roughhousing all the time, and you know, like like sounded like was the case with you, Jack, like just didn't have that kind of dynamic between you and your brother, but. Um, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time just like pissing him off for sure. Like there were plenty of times when he'd get really pissed off and he'd like shoo me up the stairs and stuff. And there'd be plenty of times where I'd like be watching from the basement stairs, <laughs> like 20 feet away. <laughs> um, but that was only some of the time. Like like a lot of the time, a lot of that happened like when he'd have his friends over and stuff. And it was like me kind of in, in invading his space a little bit and you know him being the older brother in front of his friends and whatnot but like when it was just the two of us like i have great memories of like sitting on the couch behind him while he's playing resident evil and stuff and i was at the age where and he was too where we were both freaking the fuck out <laughs> it's like, it was it was terrific it was great fun same goes with like even like pc games like i i couldn't play warcraft back in the day but I could watch him and he didn't mind me watching. And I, I got a lot from those experiences of like watching him fuck around with the, the puzzles in the seventh guest. I don't think he ever got anywhere in that game. Neither did I, because I never even played the game because I was too dumb and young. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, lo a lot of my favorite game, game memories are just like perched on the couch behind him. Lo love me some 
Warcraft RTS. That's uh, <laughs> one of my yeah, that's one of my jams back in the day. Yeah, Warcraft it, it Two and Starcraft. when uh when Ryan and Plummer convinced me to uh buy a Starcraft, and I just naturally started kicking ass. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you grinded hard on that game. I uh, always what was the undead aspect of Warcraft? You know, you had your different races, but there was a group that was the dead people or the undead. Yeah, I don't think it came for some reason. I want to say it didn't come around to like the uh, second. Was it Warcraft three? Maybe it was the, yeah, third. the third. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay. I, mean, I played less of the third than I. The second was really, but yeah, I do remember that. Um, yeah, because Ryan got us to get Warcraft three, and then that's when we got into StarCraft. But anyways, I played Rob Zombie's uh, album to it quite a bit, and it seemed to sync up pretty well with that experience. <laughs> Very appropriate. Very appropriate. I'm sure the developers did the same thing while they were making the thing. <laughs> They're like, what? We can't get the license? <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, is there anything else anyone wants to add to this? Or, I mean, I thought it was a pretty solid discussion about a true a co-op experience between two bros. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I appreciate the walk down memory lane, boys. Um, Trev, uh, it's been a pleasure all the way. And yeah, I really hope that we get a chance to play another game because, uh, you know, it's been too long. So it has been. So yeah, let's make that happen sooner rather than later. Damn, one of you is definitely going to die now. <laughs> <laughs> one of you is going to get COVID. <laughs> Well, it seems like a good enough place to end it. <laughs> Spin well, Couch Co-op, episode 18. Thank you so much for listening. All right, real quick before we go, Trevor, you have your podcast, Catching Up on Cinema. Can you tell our audience where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films and expand our cinematic horizons. Uh, you can find it on pretty much any podcasting platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod, but we also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of an Instagram, at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as a Twitter, at Catching Cinema, so feel free to hit me up at either of those. And we do have a website, uh, www.catchinguponcinema.com, and you can find all of our episodes collected there. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.